Well, good morning, church. Nice to see you all. Uh, this, as Dan has probably alluded to, is our last week in the book of Thessalonians, and Kim and I will be sharing, bring this to a conclusion. And 1 Thessalonians is Paul's earliest letter to a young church in Greece, probably only just 20 years after Jesus was resurrected. And Paul wrote the letter from Corinth because his co-worker Timothy had come back with an amazing report that the new converts, despite widespread persecution, the new converts were standing firm in their faith. And just with gratitude, Paul writes this letter. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, electronic or paper, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to be looking at verses 1 to 11, and hopefully they will also appear before you to my left and uh, right and you'll be able to follow through as well. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, you brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day... Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another with these words and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. So this week we deal with the question, when will Jesus return? But I want to do a little bit of a recap back to last week, to 1 Thessalonians 4, to the question that Paul asks, what happens when we die? So in verses 9 and 10, Paul says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so whether we are awake with the living or we're asleep with the dead, we may live together with him. You see, for Christians, for believers, death is not the end. Death is a change of home or location. It's not a change of our relationship with God. You see, while we're alive, we're at home, that's we're present in our bodies. When we die, our bodies decay, but our spirits go abroad. We go to live with Jesus in his home in heaven. So, Theologians call this period between a believer's death and the resurrection of all believers in the day of judgment. They call this the intermediate state. Believers who die, or in Paul's words, believers who are asleep, they don't go into some kind of cosmic, cold, celestial storage, and they don't go into this unconscious limbo that's kind of popular. No, they go directly into the presence of God. Remember Jesus' words to the thief who expressed belief? Today, 
you'll be with me in paradise. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, we prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Now, this Greek phrase, to be at home with the Lord, it's dynamic. It means that after death, we will be consciously alive, present in the same location and a mutual enjoyment of fellowship as Jesus. We will be at his home, with him at home. Clear evidence that our destiny is to live with Jesus after we die. But there will be a day of the Lord, which is the Old Testament word for what is the second coming of Jesus. And it will be a day of judgment as well as resurrection. Every human being, me, you, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will, that should keep us sober and that should keep us living to please God. And believers, we're headed for glory, we're headed for reward, we are filled with joy and hope. But for unbelievers, they're headed for eternal punishment, anguish and separation from God. And that should fill us with compassion and urgency in sharing the gospel. So we come back to the central question that Paul asks at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians 5. When will Jesus return? I was invited to Horsham to attend a Zambia UK churches together. I turned up at the right place at the right time on the right day of the week. And I arrived and the place was in darkness. The car park was empty. The building was locked. There was no one around. I thought, have I missed it? So I made a couple of phone calls, and it turns out that I had turned up at exactly the right place at the right time, just a whole month early. <laughs> I, I had missed it, and, and actually the Thessalonians felt like that. Some of the Thessalonians thought, well, maybe we've missed it. We're going into all this persecution. Well, maybe, maybe the rapture's happened. Maybe Jesus has returned, and, and we've missed it. And there were other Thessalonians who were thinking, well, well, if Jesus is coming soon, what happened to those who died? Have, will they miss out on the resurrection? Or was it only us who are alive who are going to receive the resurrection? So Paul is speaking into this. So let's dive a little more into that question. Let's start at the beginning, verses 1 and 2. For brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we need not write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now that phrase, thief in the night, Jesus also used... In Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44. Matthew 24, 42 to 44. Jesus saying, keep watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief had coming, he would have been keeping watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you almost must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Everyone, everyone will be surprised at how sudden the day of the Lord will be. No one expects to get burgled. You don't sit there with your diary and go, oh, I think I'll book in a burglary for next month. No, you don't do that. Well, I mean, our house was burgled when we lived in New Zealand. It was a horrific experience. You come home, someone's broken in, things are gone, you feel violated, and it's just like, wow, it's awful. Surprising, terrifying. Unexpected is how the day of the Lord will be. It's how Jesus' return will be. And particularly, 
for unbelievers, for people who are living their lives apart from God. Because when people are saying peace and safety, destruction's going to come. But for Christians, the day of the Lord will be like a pregnant woman. You don't know when the labor's going to start, but it's not entirely unexpected. You will know that something's coming. So when I was a brand new Christian in the 1970s, there was all kinds of theories. When is Jesus going to return? Some people said, well, it's all based around Israel. You know, Israel, 1948, birth of a nation, timing. There were other people who said, no, 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 it's about cataclysmic events. It's about nuclear war or climate change. And others said, no, it's about certain world leaders. None of those. Jesus gives us probably the clearest clue I think about the day of the Lord in Matthew 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Folks, if you want Jesus to return soon, preach the gospel to all people in all languages and all nations, and you'll be accelerating the advance of Jesus' return. It was a normal Tuesday morning. I woke up in London Heathrow Hilton, I was ready to catch an early plane that day. Unfortunately, I'd slept through three alarms, and I went bolt upright. I had an hour before the plane was due to board. I rushed to check-in. I missed the check-in. They wouldn't let me go with 45 minutes to go. I desperately rebooked because that day, I had to fly from London to Chicago, Chicago to Miami, Miami to Panama. You can imagine what it was like. So in a panic, I rebooked, and I managed to get a flight, United 929, a bit later. So we're four hours over the Atlantic towards Chicago on United 929, and all of a sudden the pilot comes on the radio and says, ladies and gentlemen, our company and the Federal Aviation Authority of America have ordered us to make an emergency landing. Buckle your seats in, we're going to drop jet fuel, we'll be landing in 20 minutes. And All of a sudden this huge Boeing 747 is skimming over the tops of trees in a place I've never seen before. And 20 minutes later, we made an emergency landing in a small military airport called Gander, Newfoundland, in Canada. As we landed, the pilot switched on the speakers, and we heard BBC World News. And we heard at 9.03 a.m. Eastern Time the report that yet another flight, United 175, had slammed into the Twin Towers of New York and had destroyed the Twin Towers. That day was September the 11th, 2001. I never made it home for another six days. What started as a normal Tuesday ended completely different to anything that I had ever possibly expected. It's a day I'll certainly never forget. And the most surprising thing about Jesus' return is just how normal the day will be. It'll just be any other day. It'll be like people will be shopping, they'll be eating, they'll be at homes, there'll be cafes, there'll be births, there'll be marriages, there'll be deaths, there'll be funerals, there'll be, people just be going on. But it'll be like the days of Noah before the flood, or it'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah before destruction. Because the Bible says when Jesus comes, it'll be like that. It'll be like a flash of lightning, it'll be like a twinkling in the eye, it will suddenly happen and it'll all be gone and that will be it. That will be it. So what advice does this Bible give us? Basically, it's very simple. Put away your calculators. Don't waste your time. Don't, don't try and figure out calendars. Don't try and figure out when Christ is going to return. Paul didn't know. 
I don't know. You don't know. Only our Father in heaven knows that day when Jesus is going to return. So what do we do? So Paul gives us three things to do in this passage. To be morally and spiritually ready for when Jesus is going to return. Number one, be sober and self-controlled. Stay awake, stay watchful, stay holy. Number two, put on your soldier's clothes, fighting clothes which are faith, hope and love. And number three, keep encouraging one another. Keep encouraging one another. Keep going, keep going, keep going for Jesus. You see, at the end of it all, Paul tells us there will only be two types of people, the ready and the unready. And the ready, he calls, these are people of the light, people of the day. He says those people are awake, they're watching, they're looking, they're focused on Jesus. He calls them believers. And then there's another group of people, and he calls them the unready. And those people, he said, are like night. They're like darkness. In fact, they're asleep, and many of them are drunk, which means they're just not even aware of what's going on. And predominantly, they will be unbelievers. Two types of people, ready and the unready. So today, I want to leave you with the most important question for today. And maybe the most important question every day. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Thank you. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.